We are discussing everything you never knew you wanted to know about Japanese food. Shocking, I know. <laughs> and Allison. Yes. I know that you did something super smart this week. What did you do? Well, on Monday, I had jury duty, which, as you all know, is not the most fun thing ever. Wah, wah. Yeah. I got this close to being uh, selected for a case, and I was just like, no, 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 no. But it was at the downtown Los Angeles courthouse, which, if you don't know, is the most pain-in-the-butt courthouse to get to, because I do not live in downtown LA. So getting into downtown from anywhere else is awful. Same thing with getting out of downtown, especially during rush hour. (laughs) So instead of leaving... We, um, son came and picked me up and we stuck around and little Tokyo is like two blocks away from the, from the courthouse. So we went to a restaurant called Shintengumi Hakata Ramen, uh, which Rachel and I have been to before and it's really good. So son and I shared a bowl of ramen and some gyoza and it was delicious and it was nice because we got to almost entirely miss rush hour. (laughs) See? Proof that you are just a genius. <laughs> or I'm a pig. Well, that doesn't <laughs> that kind of relate? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. like to eat. Uh-huh. That it, tells me something about the quality of your smarts. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I don't understand people who don't like food. No, I don't get it at all. I don't speak that language. Like, do you just hate life? Like, what? what... I don't know. Don't understand it. I don't either. Anyways, food. That's what we're here to talk about. Because it's important. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and so is our topic. Oh, our topic is so important. And delicious. Yes. And I mean, there is not, there is no Japanese food without our topic. It just, it, it doesn't work. And the best part about our topic is that you can eat tons and tons and tons of pieces of this topic without feeling guilty. I know, isn't it wonderful? Okay, granted, it's because what we're talking about, you know, one piece of this is incredibly small, so but tons still. and tons. <laughs> but still, I can <laughs> say, ha, I can eat a hundred pieces of this without even blinking. I mean, <laughs> it's better than a, like a hundred pieces of sugar. I'm sure That's it's true. much healthier than that, or a hundred pieces of salt. Or a hundred pieces of chocolate cake. Yeah. Not gonna go there. <laughs> or a hundred <laughs> or, or a hundred purple sweet potato mountain mushroom <laughs> cookies. <laughs> we're gonna be haunted by purple sweet potato mountain mushrooms. Which unfortunately I think it would be all too easy to put away a hundred oh, of those. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Way too easy. 
but then my hips would show the evidence of 100 sweet potato mountain mushrooms. (laughs) I'd walk around and you'd know. (laughs) (laughs) I would need a, one of those, uh, oh, what are those, like the caution flags that they stick (laughs) tracks on the freeway? Wide load. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) So what is it we're talking about? We are talking about rice, which if you've ever eaten any sort of Japanese food, you know that you really can't eat Japanese food without having some sort of rice involved. Well, I guess you can, technically. But for the most part, almost every Japanese meal comes with rice. There's the key. Meal. Yes. The word in Japanese for rice is gohan, or cooked rice is gohan. And the word gohan also means meal. So meal and cooked rice, those two words are interchangeable because they are the same word in Japanese. And in fact, they use the word to form the names of the meals throughout the day. So, you know, we we call breakfast, breakfast, lunch, lunch, dinner, dinner. Well, in Japan, breakfast is asa gohan, which means morning rice, literally. And lunch is hiru gohan, which means noon or daytime so noon or daytime rice. And then bangohan is evening, so evening rice. So you're saying, I'm going to go eat my morning rice. That's what you'd say for, I'm going to go eat my breakfast. So it's basically impossible to think of having a meal in Japan without thinking of rice. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even for my family... When I was growing up, every single meal, or at least every meal that we cooked at home, if we ordered out pizza, yeah, we weren't eating that with rice. But (laughs) for the most part, every single meal, or every dinner, every day, we had rice. It was just one of those things. You eat rice with your meal. That's just how it is. And that's totally how it is in Japan, including the whole ordering out pizza thing. Because (laughs) usually if you eat you know, say Italian food or French or whatever. Anything foreign. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> You're not going to be eating rice in Japan. However, there are those few things that have become so ingrained into Japanese culture that they have started serving them with rice. Like, kind of like tonkatsu. Thank you. <laughs> you read my mind. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a Japanese meal, washoku is not a meal without rice. If if you're eating Japanese food and you're not eating rice, that's a snack. And even then, you can have rice for a snack. I mean, you can have onigiri. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> My Mochi. favorite topic. Mochi. Mm-hmm. Senbei, which mm-hmm. are the rice crackers. So there are a lot of reasons why rice is such a big deal. Well, yeah, it has such... The history of rice in Japan is so ingrained in their culture. Yeah, I... uh, (laughs) For our listeners, I I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but part of what I do, you know, Allison does an amazing job doing our editing and crazy amounts of other stuff. Like, she makes me look incredibly lazy when it comes to the work of this podcast. stop it. (laughs) It's true. It is not. But one of the things... I do to try and pull my weight is I do I put together our outlines for our episodes and I do she does all the research because I'm a total I mean that's 
you can see the evidence of law school in me because I <laughs> am such a nerd when it comes to research. I love doing research and especially when it comes to food. And you should have seen me this past week doing the research for this episode <laughs> because the historical part of this had me totally geeking out. Oh, I, I mean, I, I knew this, but not, I, I mean, I learned a bunch doing the research for this and it's so cool. <laughs> Well, yeah, so just cool. just reading your outline right now, I was like, "Wow, really? That's awesome!" So yeah, it's yeah, I know. <laughs> it is awesome, right? It's it not is. just me. No, I am not just you. So geeking out on this. <laughs> no, it's it's really cool. I mean, the rice in Japan has been around since what, like the 13th century BC, so like a really freaking long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was originally thought that it wasn't, it hadn't been around as long, but the most recent carbon dating indicates that rice was introduced in the 13th century BC and then brought over to the southwest part of Japan from China. So, <laughs> hello. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there is no Japan without rice, essentially. Ancient, it is an ancient grain. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And it existed in Japan way before Japan was Japan. And in fact, the first nation, like official nation that was developed in Japan, was developed basically because of rice. And if you so, were worth anything in Japan, it was because you grew the most rice. Yeah, you grew the most rice and you managed the land that the rice was cultivated on. It's like that was directly connected to having political power so it makes sense that society then evolved around that so so they got rice in the 13th century bc but the first nation wasn't formed in japan until the third century a.d that's a long time yeah so because rice was such an important commodity you started to have civilization kind of develop around the rice farming and also because it wasn't uh, a crop that could be done with one farmer. It was a community effort. So, you know, to to be be able to cultivate rice, you needed well as as it kind of happened in Japan, you had had families that that pooled their labor and shared water resources and irrigation facilities. And so they really depended heavily on each other to get this rice planted and harvested, all, you know, all through the process of cultivating rice. They needed they relied on each other. So rice really dictated the development of society. And so when the First Nation was formed, it was actually for formed by a large agricultural clan. And it was from that clan that the modern day royalty stems because it was that clan who later became Japan's imperial family. Right. And I really love that because you said that even to this day, the Japanese emperor has a small rice paddy that he personally int attends to inside the uh, imperial palace grounds, which is really cool because in history, a lot of what you've learned about from like other countries is that the royalty and the, the upper classes try so hard to separate the themselves from peasants and like, oh, we're not from the same blood, we have never done what you do, we're completely different. Whereas here, the Japanese imperial family is kind of still paying homage to the fact that they began 
as farmers. Yeah, but there's also awesome. There's also another side to that, which kind of blows my mind because rice is such a finicky, difficult crop to grow. Japan was not able to grow enough rice to meet the demand Mm -hmm. until I think the 1960s. So it wasn't until the 1960s that their rice production finally exceeded their consumption. And this is because Japan is so mountainous that they have very few plains that are suitable for rice cultivation. And so because of this long history, I mean, you think from the first nation, third century AD, all the way to the 1960s, this crop was relatively scarce. And it kind of helps to explain why the Japanese were regarded as a sacred food. And so really, even though it it was cultivated by farmers, which we see as kind of of more of a lowlier station in life, rice, that's how you gain political power. I mean, that makes sense because, Mm -hmm. you know, you you controlled this this scarce crop. And so this was sacred food for someone who was rich and powerful. So it's, it's this really fascinating kind of dichotomy, I guess. Right. I think I'd kind of maybe compare it to families that, like in the Middle East, that control the um, mining is not the right word, but but um, oil. oil? Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, you'd think you're going into the ground and getting this black stuff out. It's not the most elegant of things. But since it's something that is so valuable, you get a lot of status from kind of having control of that. Yeah. In fact... Um Speaking of valuable, rice was actually used as an alternative form of currency at one point in Japan. Kind of amazing. Yeah. I think I think it was somewhere in South America that they used cacao beans as a form of currency. Yeah, and I, see I think I've heard that before. Yeah. And so the Japanese in Japanese culture the equivalent of that was was rice. And rice is I mean so ingrained in their culture, not just in food or in politics, but also in their religious ceremonies. Yes. All of their festivals involve rice in some way. And the the way that they see the moon is something that I just love. I adore this. <laughs> Here, I mean, most Western cultures, we say we see the man in the moon. But in Japan, what they see is the rabbit-pounding mochi. Which, if you look at it, you can totally see it. I, mean, I think it's kind of sideways, if yes, I remember it's, correctly. Yes, it's like a profile view. Yeah, We will yeah. link to um, a site that actually shows a picture, shows a photograph of the moon, and they have kind of inked in the outline of the rabbit pounding mochi. It's really, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, because once you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's not a big stretch of the imagination. Yeah, definitely it's- not. <laughs> It's not an ink blot thing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess it helps that someone is, you know, taking like you. a marker to the picture. <laughs> well, yeah, that helps too. But it's a, you know, quite a clear outline. Well, yeah, the next, next time you have a, f- a full moon, go outside and look at it. And I will bet you, you can find the rabbit pounding mochi in the moon. And then come back and report for extra university credit extra credit this is your astronomy course yes 
And actually, <laughs> we will be having uh, a follow-up astronomy course coming this summer. Oh, yes. It's so cool. There is a holiday in July, which I love, called Tanabata, and it's a, it's a star festival. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Nothing more. You'll have to tune in then. That's my cryptic hint dropping. <laughs> and now so don't mysterious. go out and read about it and screw up you know, <laughs> the surprise of the episode. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Always open my big mouth. <laughs> Back to the rice. <laughs> Let's talk. We've, we mentioned a little bit in our pantry episode, the part one of our pantry episode, um, about Japanese rice. But... We are going to go in a little more detail right now. Yes, because it's kind of important. Yes, definitely. All right, so the first kind, the m- absolute most common kind that if you've eaten Japanese rice, this is, I would say, there's a 99% chance that this is what you ate. It's known as uruchimai, and that is Japanese-style short grain rice, Although it is sometimes labeled as medium grain, so it can be kind of confusing, but you're more likely to be successful in buying the right kind of rice, at least in the States. If if you buy sushi rice, you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy something that's some kind of Calrose rice, yeah. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the large percentage of the type of rice that's eaten in Japan on a daily basis. This is polished rice, you know, the Japanese-style white rice. So the, um, the grains of rice have been removed from their husks and polished. And when they're cooked, they're tender and moist, but still have, they still retain just a tiny bit of an al dente texture. And the shorter the grain of rice, the more starch they contain. And the more starch it contains, the stickier they are. So... One of the hallmarks, I guess, of Japanese rice is that it's it kind of sticks together, which makes eating it with chopsticks feasible. Unlike, say, basmati rice, which oh, yeah. is a nightmare to eat <laughs> chopsticks. Like, why would you do it? Oh, yeah. You don't want to try that. You don't want to mistake the two. Cause it, they're both good, but it's definitely different. So yeah. you want different. Japanese rice for Japanese food. Yes. Different application. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Most of the Japanese-style rice sold outside of Japan is actually grown here in California. It's almost exactly the same as the Japanese-style rice that you would buy cultivated in Japan. However, there is quite a large difference in farming methods. Right, because when you're thinking of rice that's grown in Japan, you always see those pictures of the rice paddies, the wet fields like filled with water where they grow the rice. Um, however, in California, they grow it in dry fields. So this this does make a slight difference in the end product, but for the most part, you can still totally use Japonica or Japanese-style rice grown in California for any of your Japanese cooking needs, and it is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, question for you. Do you happen to know where in California they grow rice or where the most of it is grown here? I think it's further north. We'll have to look that up. We should do a field trip. That's what I was thinking. It would be really cool to go visit rice farms and do some interviews, take some pictures, maybe do some video. Yes. That would be pretty cool. I'm always up for field trip. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. And if it involves rice and can potentially yes. involve anigiri, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you saying? <laughs> Nothing at all. I am not in any way implying that you are completely and totally obsessed with uh, rice and onigiri. Not one bit. Not one bit, even though we both know that I am. Oh, but, yeah. you know, we would never imply that. I would never say anything like that. Never. Mm -mm. No way, no how. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uruchimai, or you know, Japanese-style white rice. Good stuff. Important. Okay, how about the next kind? The next kind is genmai. This is Japanese-style brown rice. And this is the least polished type of rice. So it still has the husk on. Uh, and, yeah, well, well, the outer husk is removed. Right, but it's still got the, what, like the skin? It's the, unpolished. The inner, the inner husk. Yeah. And the bran. Yes. I love brown rice. So I've, do I? I've developed, in the past, I think just the past few months, I've developed such a taste for brown rice. It's kind of crazy. That's That has become our primary type of rice that we make at home well it used to be the primary it used to be the rice that people ate in japan and at some point white rice became more prevalent because it was seen as i guess high highbrow mm -hmm. you know what if you were wealthy that's what you would eat because it takes further processing because brown rice is the same thing as their white rice it white white rice has just been more processed mm -hmm. so it's funny because now genmai or uh, brown rice is starting to regain some of its popularity in Japan because of its health benefits. But I think it's probably way more popular outside of Japan, <laughs> even though they started as, you know, the, they were brown rice eaters. Right, right. And it's definitely a lot healthier than white rice just because the bran the, and the inner, inner husk that remains on it has a ton of nutrients. And it's higher in fiber because of those things. Yes. Plus and it's just delicious. It's got a nuttier flavor. Yeah. And one of my favorite things, and this is completely random, but brown <laughs> rice with a little bit of maple syrup drizzled over it is so good. I could totally understand that. It's really, I mean, it's just like just enough to sweeten it. And it's like the perfect kind of dessert that's not too sweet. And it's because of the nuttiness, it goes so well. Well, and I can almost see that as being kind of an alternative to oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't tried it, but my dad says that he has poured milk over brown rice and it works really well. So I mean, you could, I'm sure you could totally use it as a substitute for morning oatmeal or porridge type foods. Well, and I'm a rice pudding girl, so, you know, I'm all over those concepts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just posted recently a uh, brown rice recipe on my my blog and shocker i know <laughs> it was an onigiri recipe <laughs> it was actually the onigiri recipe that we talked about in i want to say it was pantry episode part two yeah i think so in the intro to that i think you were talking about it yep so i i did <laughs> finally end up posting that recipe i saw that i was like ooh, yeah i know that one <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but one thing that's kind of a pain about brown, brown rice is that it requires a lot more time to cook. Oh my god, it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, even, even in the rice cooker, and we have like a fancy schmancy zojirushi. Yeah. And it takes Same forever. It's like yeah. twice as long as regular white rice. 
Yes. Oh my God, when is it going to be done? I'm hungry. (laughs) But it's so good. I actually think we have some cooking right now. Speaking of brown rice. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's totally worth worth the wait. And the other thing too is that it dries out a little quicker. Yeah, I've it does. noticed than um, white rice because with with the rice cooker that we have, you can just leave the rice in there and it'll keep it warm for you know a few days. With the white rice, we can leave it. I mean, we've left it for <laughs> a really long time. Sometimes it has happened, but with the brown rice, after maybe a day or two, it starts to dry out around the edges. Yeah, it loses some of its stickiness. It gets harder yeah. and harder to eat with chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And harder to make onigiri with it, so. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a type of rice that kind of falls between uruchimai, or the, the white rice, and genmai, the brown rice, and it's called haigamai, and it's, like, partially polished rice. Hmm. I'm trying to remember, I think it's the husk that's removed. Huh. And they leave the germ intact, or maybe it's the other way around, but it... So it's kind of like this nice um, balance between the two. You know, so it's not as long of cooking time. It doesn't dry out as quickly, but it's a bit easier to work with. But you still get some of the nutrients, you know. Uh, but that can be harder to find here in the U.S. Yeah, because I was just thinking, I don't know if I've... I mean, not that I've looked for it, because this is the first time I've ever heard of it. But it's not something that really comes to mind when I'm thinking about rice that I've seen in Japanese supermarkets. Interesting. But that that might be something to look for just out of my own curiosity. Yeah. See if my markets um have that. Go on on a scavenger hunt. Yes. That would be so much fun. Put together a, a Japanese uh scavenger hunt. Japanese supermarket scavenger hunt. Ooh, that would be so fun. <laughs> I'm thinking that's something to do in the future. Yeah, watch. We end up getting a bunch of people kicked out of supermarkets because <laughs> we send them on scavenger hunts. They're running through. <laughs> sorry, future so- supermarket people. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll probably still do it. <laughs> All right. So the last kind of rice, and I don't know, is this something that people like cook to eat as rice or is it yes. mostly? Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just mostly used to make other things. So the last kind is mochigome, and that is sometimes called sweet rice or glutinous rice. And so are there certain applications in which people uh, make this rice just to eat it? Or would would you eat it instead of, like in place of uruchimai or genmai? Well, there, there are certain things, certain dishes that they make with mochi with mochigome and sometimes they'll mix the two they'll mix mochigome with uruchimai Mm. well just as a side note we've actually kind of started doing that i don't know if it's the exact same kind of sweet rice but at the suggestion of son's dad when we make jasmine rice for son or when we used to before we got into this whole brown rice kick we would mix just a little bit of sweet rice in with it it's pretty good but yeah, I don't know if it's exactly the same kind. I'm not sure. Because I don't think we bought it. I think we bought it from like a Chinese or Vietnamese supermarket. All right. So there are dishes that use just the mochi gome or 
you can actually do a combination of mochigome and uruchimai. One of the most, one of the real traditional ones is uh, sekihan, which we've mentioned before briefly, but it's literally translates to mean red rice, and it's mochigome steamed with azuki beans, which give kind of a reddish pink color to the rice, and it's one of the th- one of the things served for celebrations. Yeah, we've definitely mentioned that before. Yeah. Another traditional mochigome application is uh, something called okua. And this is a type of rice dish. And this is where they take mochigome and they mix it with other kinds of vegetables or meat and and steam them together. That sounds really good. Yes. (laughs) Mochigome is also used for some other applications that are not eaten as rice. It is what is used to make mochi. Easy to remember because of the name. It's what's used to make senbei, which is the um, the rice crackers that are often flavored with like soy sauce and maybe nori. Different flavors. They're pretty common. And it's used to make mirin, which is the sweet rice wine that we mentioned in our pantry episode part two as one of the essential Japanese ingredients that you should generally have around if you're making Japanese food. Yes, it's the rice wine that's used only for cooking, so specifically for cooking. Yeah, so not sake, but yes, mirin. So the Gohan 101 course has come to a close, but you can keep on learning and interacting with us. You can find us in a bunch of different ways. If you want to ask us questions or leave us suggestions for the podcast, or if you have any comments about anything that we have said, or even if you have stories about anything that we've talked about or just Japanese food in general, we love to hear about you. You can call us on our phone number and leave us a message at 657 for MisoFi. That's 657-464-7639. If you are not in the United States and would like to call in, if you have Skype, you can call us and leave us a message on Skype. Our Skype name is Miso Hungry Podcast. So we love getting messages there. You can find us on Twitter. We are at MisoTalk. We have a Facebook fan page, and we always respond if you ask us questions or leave us comments there. You can email us at misohungrypodcast at gmail.com. We are always on misofy.com. That is M-I-S-O-F-Y dot com. And that is where you can find our show notes, our episodes every week, and every once in a while, our taco tidbits or a recipe. So make sure to catch up with us there. And last but not least, we always appreciate it when you leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. It always makes our day when we see that there's a new review or a new rating there. Great way to brown nose the professors. (laughs) Our office hours are always open. See the blinking neon sign? (laughs) (laughs) Always open. 24-7. 24 hours. I'm Allison Day. And I'm Rachel Hutchings. And you've been listening to the Me So Hungry podcast. The podcast that's all about 
when the moon hits your eye like a big <laughs> rabbit pounding mochi in the sky. That's amore. <laughs> That's me so angry.